Today's episode of White Sox Business is presented by the Salvation Army. Your donations can help those affected by COVID-19 find help and hope. To give, ask your smart speaker to make a donation to the Salvation Army or make your gift at SalvationArmyUSA.org. That's all one word, SalvationArmyUSA.org. on the field people will come and it doesn't happen you have to look at how you're doing business welcome to white Sox business the white Sox podcast that somehow figured out a way to make its episodes longer when there were no sports to talk about than when they actually were discussing actual white Sox. it's magic is this the first of another 45 minute plus episode you know it it might be who knows not me your host not not James. I am your host on this longer than necessary journey, Tom Fernelli. And joining me today is your other host, the Athletics White Sox reporter, James Vegan. James, Forbes sent out a tweet on Wednesday about lava. Now, I didn't click the story because, as I discussed in our last episode, Forbes' site is dog shit and takes two years. That's the reason? So, yeah, for sure. I mean, I was very interested because this was, I don't know if it was written by Boomski, but the gist of the tweet was that lava could kill the coronavirus, but that we aren't using it to because lava kills everything. It's the kind of scientific breakthrough we've waited all our entire lives to find out. And while that's big news, I had another takeaway from it because you see the tweet said, quote, nothing else would survive the encounter with molten rock either. Now, James, correct me if I'm wrong, but isn't the entire planet basically surviving an encounter with molten rock considering that the core of the planet is molten rock does forbes have it wrong should we be using lava to kill the coronavirus either by injecting it into our veins or drinking it i mean it, it, it you're exactly right that we have to it's not you can't rush into the fight <coughs> with lava you have to be patient and wait maybe i don't know thousands of years for it to properly cool uh, you know it's Kind of like you need Tiago needs to wait for his uh, his wings to kind of come up before pushing <laughs> the ball into the teeth of the defense, uh, you know, and just being a turnover machine who's who frustrates his father who has traveled from Jamaica uh, to watch him, you know, dick around in Turkey and and, and make his manager pissed off at him and uh, spend fifteen thousand dollars on edibles. Uh, that's uh, I'm sorry, are we off topic a little bit? <laughs> I don't know. I, I just just that part not not the. Uh, well, here's why we're not using lava to cure coronavirus. It was the part that said that nothing can survive lava when literally the thing that it comes out of <laughs> survives it and the entire planet was pretty much made by it. So, you know, but thank you to Forbes for uh, that scientific breakthrough and for writing that story that I think we just needed in this time. Did, did Forbes talk about rest- using L1 to protect your drivel better? Because that, that's probably a crucial thing to mention. <laughs> No, no, but I'm sure Forbes is busy writing an article about the next asteroid that's going to miss the Earth by 20 million miles zooming past us. (laughs) Anyways, on today's episode, we have another interview, this one with the Athletics Chicago Cubs beat reporter, Sahadev Sharma. We talk with Sahadev about him and James and their project of drafting White Sox and Cubs super teams from the last 20 years, and we discuss how James is a failure that did not put together a winning team based on a computer that was so clearly biased towards the Cubs that have to assume that it was the Cubs running the simulation. And then we also discuss uh, 
Chicago Bears draft pick Cole Kmet and his connection to the White Sox. But before we get all to that, James, shall we shall, shall we play the interview with Sahadev? Uh, no. But you know, you never listen to my wishes anyway. I mean, I feel like. We got him on the quote-unquote phone with us for at least a half an hour, so we should probably repay him the favor by letting the people listen to him explain why he needed to have 2002 Mark Bellhorn on his who, team. Who cares? Who, I mean, do whatever you want. I don't. I mean, you and me will go do yeah, other things, but they got to listen. go to an abandoned movie theater. Cool. Make out. <laughs> All right. All right. Here's the interview with Sahada. Action. We now welcome a very special guest to White Sox business. We are we're letting him cross enemy lines from the Athletics onto Waveland podcast and the Athletics Chicago Cubs beat reporter Sahadev Sharma. Sahadev, welcome to White Sox business. We're not going to hang up on you this time. Ah, uh, this is delightful. I'm glad to get a word in and not get yelled at. I mean, it's not well, a, a pre-planned hang up. up. It would be like <laughs> spur of the moment, like a burst of emotion, like oh fuck this guy <laughs> also also there are storms in the area as we record this so who knows the internet might hang up on us all at some right. point as it has we done our, multiple so times today <laughs> are you having internet problems james <laughs> did you notice tom no i'm i are you i got locked off like twice while we were getting set up i didn't realize that was internet problems you just that thought could i was easily like just have been your incompetence silent? I yeah, thought that but, was I thought that was operator error. Yeah, I just figured you were unplugging your microphone by accident. Yeah. Well, you know, surprises <laughs> every day. You <laughs> meant to hit record and you were pressing the X button on your PlayStation controller because the ball landed at Tiago's feet and you were trying to score a goal and you just screwed everything up. X is past, Tom. <sighs> I know that's but Never Jeez. mind, James. Jesus. Can't even tell when we're <laughs> insulting him. Anyway, Sahadev, thank you for coming on the show. <laughs> oh, it's a pleasure to be on. I, I'm glad James is being insulted from the outset because this is this feels it feels very natural and I'm it, like immediately puts me at ease. Uh, I'm in I'm in enemy territory, but it feels good to know that James is always the enemy wherever we are. Yeah, it's the, the show's called White Sox Business, but really it's just giving James the business, you know. Perfect. Just like the White That's Sox. A, yeah. <laughs> uh, you're here today. I mean, we're we're going to talk about baseball, I guess, even though there's not a whole lot of baseball to talk about. But I'm going to start with the latest proposal that, you know, came out yesterday or today, actually. Uh, Bob Nightingale of U.S. Today released the latest suggestion from baseball one of the like 700 million they've probably come up with that they leak one at a time just to see the reaction to (laughs) and it involves what would be a three division plan so three divisions of 10 teams in which the 10 teams in each division it's all geographically based would play nobody else but the other teams in their division and this is interesting to us because the white Sox would be in the same division as the Cubs. They'd be in the Central Division. It'd be the two Chicago teams, the Brewers, Cardinals, Royals, Reds, Indians, Twins, Braves, and Tigers. Now, for two things stand out to me here. One, that the Braves are somehow in the Central Division. Yeah, that stood out to me as well. Brutal. And two, <laughs> that this plan would be awesome simply because the Central is far and away the most winnable division. <laughs> Yeah, that's probably true, right? I mean, well, the Braves are probably like the Braves screw that up. They're they're cl- as close to a powerhouse of the group 
the Braves and maybe the Twins yeah. are the the two best maybe. teams right there. Yeah, but it's like you look at the other divisions, like the West has the Dodgers, the Astros, you know, maybe the Angels stepping in the way, becoming something good. And then in the East, you've got the Yankees, the defending champion Nationals, the Phillies, the Rays. It's like everybody else the is. Phillies like is a- your evidence of the strength of that division? <laughs> <laughs> well, who else would you put over the Phillies? The Red Sox? They suck. Yeah, I probably would. Eh, they're not going to be anything this year. They're going to be trash. They don't have Chris Sale. The Phil- Their rotation is like Eduardo Rodriguez. I and- I still like them more than the Phillies. That's I was out on the Phillies, Phillies all of last year. <laughs> the Phillies got Zach Wheeler. All right. <laughs> Did you watch that series that they played against the White Sox this year? <laughs> <laughs> all right. So maybe not the Phillies. But my point is that. There's, there are, you know, legit teams you look at and say, okay, that's the World Series contender in the other divisions. Whereas in the the Central Division, it's like, well, there's some possible playoff teams. Just still stuck on the Phillies. <laughs> All right. Speaking fine, of giving me the business, freaking Ross Detlinger is giving them the business last year. <laughs> I bring it up because the Cubs and White Sox would be in the same division, which is something that I've thought should happen for years. I, I've, I've read like five, six years ago on, on my old blog about a realignment plan that had baseball realigning, getting rid of the leagues essentially and realigning based on nothing but geography because it is a game, it is a sport that is very regionalized. So it would make sense to create regional rivalries. And when you think of the Cubs and White Sox, for a lot of fans every single year, the most exciting part of the regular season for baseball is those Cubs and White Sox games. So it's always made sense to me to make that a more regular occurrence and one that actually would have an impact in the standings and could decide, you know, postseason burst. But you two also have a piece coming out in which you did super teams for both the White Sox and Cubs since, what, 2000? Uh, yes. The last 20 years, yeah. Yeah. And James's team, despite James being James, is far superior to yours. <laughs> I I struggle to. I mean, my the five best players on that Cubs team are better than the than the first best player on the on the as far as what James put together with the White Sox. The Cubs have had over the past twenty years. The Cubs have That's had not five my fault. seasons that are just absolutely ridiculous. Now, after that, the teams get very even, and and I had to and I struggled to put together a bullpen, even though those numbers look good. I, I mean, you look at those pitchers, and you're like, yeah, this is this is scary. Uh, but I mean, you have five Hall of Fame caliber seasons. I'm not sure if James had James had a Hall of Fame caliber season in that group. Uh, Chris Sale's best season came with the Red Sox. Uh, he just didn't have he had great stretches obviously we know how great he is uh, i think james and i talked about it ideally you'd want jose contreras from like june of 2005 to june of 2006 but you can't do that i mean that's probably a hall of fame caliber mm-hmm. stretch right well if i oh, just yeah. had that 12 start stretch from chris sale in the middle of 2015 <laughs> and like nothing outside of it like yeah that'd be great yeah, there, there just, there just wasn't that full condensed one season of insane level. While the Cubs had five of those, and and the remarkable thing is, I don't think a single one of those players came close to to reaching those levels again. Uh, from Derek Lee to, I mean, obviously Sosa did it in the '90s, but not after 2001. Uh, prior, uh, who were the others? Arietta and Bryant. Bryant is the only one that's come close to reaching those heights. It's it's kind of 
odd to to see that you just had this concentrated these concentrated years of talent. It made it's, my job easier too to pick yeah, those. I'll go over the rosters real quick for the listeners. It's you were able to pick a player one season from a player, and you couldn't pick the same player for two seasons, correct? Right. Yeah. All right. So the Cubs team that you you drafted side of was the 2005 Derek Lee, which, by the way, Derek Lee is probably one of the more underrated like Chicago baseball players that I can think of because he was really good while he was with the Cubs, and he doesn't really, you know, he kind of seems already, even though it was only 15 years ago, kind of lost to the you know memory. But 2016 Ben Zobris, 2018 Javier Baez, 2016 Chris Bryant, 2001 Sammy Sosa, 2016 Dexter Fowler. 2007 Alfonso Soriano, 2019 Wilson Contreras, 2016 David Ross, because you know you got to have that you know captain. He he, he, have- <laughs> he he paid a lot more attention to his clubhouse not imploding with egos than I did. I was yeah. willing to roll the That's, dice because I just as I'm going through the list, I was like, why the fuck is David Ross on this team? <laughs> I just I picked I specifically wanted a bat. I could have gone like 2008 Gio Soto or 2010, whichever Gio Soto year I I chose, but. I I didn't I wanted a real backup catcher. I was trying to build an actual <laughs> roster and if I had like that's why I didn't have Anthony Rizzo on my bench. Like or Aramis Ramirez on my bench. Like neither of those guys are bench players and no GM in their right mind would keep Anthony Rizzo and not trade him for whatever your weakness is, right? I just want I was trying to make it a realistic process, even though this is all insane and made up. This is why this is why James's team wins, because your bench is awful. I mean, you've got 2008 Mark DeRosa, which fine, but then there's Mark Bellhorn. Which, you you but, need to look Mark up Bill Mark Horn Bellhorn. Is really good. No, the, the, the season was really, really good. Don't get me wrong. I know that, but it's just it's if I would take Anthony Rizzo's best season over Mark Bellhorn's best season on my bench. I I I know, but it it's just it didn't it didn't make sense. That's not how you build a team. Between Mark Bellhorn that Mark right, Bellhorn so you're season arguing is a, with me is that you don't build the use the best players to build your team. You you use well, you can't have two great first basemen. Who what team without I am three. The Dodgers do it. The Astros do it. Like that's the, how you win titles. Do, the, you have wait, great players at multiple positions. No, they don't have two great first basemen. You can have two great middle infielders. You could have two great center fielders or something like that. But you cannot. The play Astros a have great two great first... shortstops. They just move on to third base. Yeah, exactly. You can't play Anthony Rizzo anywhere else. You can play Anthony no Rizzo DH. at first, and you can put Derek Lee anywhere. You can put Derek Lee at third. He's a Gold Glove <laughs> first baseman. He's going to play third. He'll be fine. <laughs> No. Realistically, I just see Sosa and I see Bellhorn <laughs> and the, the the super White Sox just needed a lot more presence on the Mitchell Report to really compete with the Cubs. <laughs> yeah, serious. I mean, who's filling in for Sosa while he's dealing with his PED suspension? <laughs> oh, come on. He's uh, it's, it just makes it all the better. I I encourage I've I've encouraged Sammy to continue that. I need that 2001 season in the middle of my order. I figure you've got Corey Patterson on the bench so that way the fans have somebody to be mad at. <laughs> yeah. I need someone that can play competent defense as well in the outfield. Rod. Every time he plays, I'm, what the fuck? This guy sucks. <laughs> Did he swing and miss again? He Jeez. strikes out too much. He's trash. swung at the first pitch. I, He's just trying for a home run. I would. I read dictate, an article five uh, years ago that he was going to be great. I would dictate <laughs> that the, the the series because he was so dominant in the Sims, but the series uh, it, it had to be played in SeaTac uh, Federal Detention Center to allow uh, Esteban Loiza <laughs> to be the number two starter for the White Sox. It's it's just a technicality, really. <laughs> we were just going to gloss over that. <laughs> so wait, did you guys actually sim this? 
Uh, we we had a we had a buddy who works for a team run a, a proprietary sim on it. Ooh, I didn't know that part. Oh who yeah, won? the Cubs. Well, the White Why Sox did win. <laughs> it's a bullshit sim. <laughs> the White Sox won a five game series when I, when James had already written like thoroughly thought out his lineup and written all his captions and I just threw together a roster and I was like, yeah, I think I'm done. And James just sent it to our buddy without any any without me double checking anything and then all of a sudden i start writing and i'm like i can't have 2008 ryan dempster over 2016 kyle hendricks like <laughs> the the season may be better but 2016 kyle hendricks stepped up in the playoffs in 2018 2008 ryan dempster had one of the worst playoff starts that cubs fans you know could remember all and of a sudden <laughs> Sod of like made some edits to the pitching staff after like giving up a billion home runs to Carlos Quinton in a five game series. It just happened to come to him as he was writing after like a massive ass kicking in game five. Neither of the people I replaced after the deadline. (laughs) There was no deadline. James just James just willy nilly starts making for job with the Astros over here. (laughs) Oh, over the course of a full season, like the Cubs team was four games better. Four games, yeah. That uh, no, White Sox are better. Yeah. And I think, and I think the projections, uh, while they weren't, he didn't, uh, he wasn't able to run it exactly. I think the projections had them both in the like hundred and ten win realm, like in that area. If that true, te- if those two teams were to play an actual one hundred and sixty-two game season in a real league, in a normal league, <laughs> they'd, they'd be about one hundred and ten wins, which, which seems low. Yeah, I like are yeah, these teams really say. worse than the 2001 Mariners? I don't think so. <laughs> but it's nice to know that, that that's what it takes to get the White Sox to have a 100 win season <laughs> is to literally have the best players of the last 20 years on one roster and then they could just crack that 100 win mark. <laughs> and then yeah, be overmatched well. in the World Series. So James as as the loser or the, as the losing manager, what what do you have to say for yourself? Uh, my man, we picked the best manager of the 20 years too. So actually all the blame falls on 2005 Ozzie Guillen. Wow. Trying to fire him again. Who was your manager, Sato? 2016 Madden. I wasn't going to, I wasn't going to overthink it. I mean, even though he's being, he's being supplemented by Ross on his own bench. Yeah, that's the key. That's actually my key to victory. Ross is behind the scenes angling to take his job while this series is going on. There's just turmoil everywhere in the club's clubhouse. I mean, between putting Frank Thomas, uh, Jose Breu, and Paul Canerco in a first base DH rotation, making Adam Eaton a fourth outfielder, and bringing back like the Tyler Flowers, uh, AJ Przinsky dynamic, I should just stack the deck for a clubhouse meltdown and put 2016 Ventura as the manager. <laughs> just see what happens. <laughs> Uh, I think I mean I don't know who's who is the leader on this White Sox roster. It it's not Burley because Burley would not really care. He would just be like whatever. Uh I mean Sale's a dude. Uh I don't know. Sale no, nah, Sale is not a leader. I'm sorry. I think he's we've a got a lot of evidence to the contrary. <laughs> I'm not sure if cutting up the jerseys is leadership. Yeah. Uh Rowan's a stand up dude. Canerco is yeah. a quiet captain. But I mean, probably too quiet and also clubhouse. Probably the pinch hitter can't lead the team. <laughs> oh, Ray Durham. Maybe Ray. Maybe Ray Ray. Yeah, that's I just, a good clubhouse guy. 
I don't, I See, don't think, I don't think all, AJ, all the yeah, 2000 Sox said leadership Ray, on this team. All those 2000 Sox players I talked to said that once Ray Durham kind of said, like, we're fighting those Tigers, that's when they knew it was on. So I guess he's kind of the leader. So that's yeah. that's what you think is good leadership? Yeah, that, that <laughs> fight kicked ass, man. Baseball players love that stuff. <laughs> when we we need we need somebody to tell us what to do, let's go kick their ass. Literally. <laughs> oh well, this guy's got great leadership skills. <laughs> Krasinski's there. Come on. AJ's not a leader. He's a AJ he's a is, he's a card. AJ is a leader of himself and nobody else. Yeah, see the the Cubs that Cubs roster has a ton of intangibles. They have leadership, they have swag. You know they, who's leading like, this team? Jose Valentin. There you go. The backup shortstop. Mm-hmm. All right. That wow. that that's a mustache that commands attention. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh shh, the mustache is talking. Was was Valentin actually a leader on those teams? Because I, I mean, he I just don't know. Like I was, was twelve. Fine. I man. have no idea. Yeah, I was, you were you were how old? Uh, in two thousand, I was twelve years old on opening day. I was thirteen by the time the season started. I was drunk in champagne. <laughs> yes, same. I was too, but I was twelve. <laughs> you were partying with Tom and I in champagne. Yeah, yeah. I was actually in Urbana with some uh, seedy folks. Some townies. Some townies. <laughs> wow, you, you seem to know a lot about Champagne. <laughs> yeah, this, is, this is a little creepy, how, uh, how accurate that description was. <laughs> it's my safety school. I almost went there. It's like when, when your friends got apartments in Urbana, like houses, you were like, oh, so you're just like moving here now? <laughs> this is where you live now, huh? <laughs> wow, you're a townie. It's yeah. come for full like circle this, here. You're never going home. This is just <laughs> this is what you're going to do with the rest of your life. All right, no, hey, you I mean we got to make our own choices in life, and I support you and yours. But <laughs> uh, I like how James dropped in that it was his safety su- school. Just uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I, insulting I, I, us. I did like early action. I got it in November, but then I decided I'm going to keep applying to my real colleges. And wow, only gotten yeah, the one. I, only gotten the one of four. <laughs> I, I kept applying to real colleges and got into none of them, so <laughs> so I'll just take the L there. I got into Notre Dame. I just couldn't afford it. Neither could I, as uh, my student debt situation would indicate. Yeah, well, I left Illinois without any debt, so suck on that, hater. <laughs> I'm just uh, genuinely sad more than joking. Going back to the baseball talk, though, because let's say you know there there are all these plans for a season. But, like, the way we've looked at it as far as the White Sox, like a possible loss of the 2020 season or just a shortening of the season in general, like, it kind of handicaps what the White Sox were hoping would be the start of their contention window. But on the other side, with the Cubs, like, if the 2020 season is lost, is it is it reasonable to say that it could pretty much, you know, slam the window shut on the Cubs championship contention with this current team? Yeah, I think I think it basically means that this version of the Cubs uh, is is all but over. I, I'd be very surprised if they if there's no 2020 season and we go into 2021 with that core, that 2016 core still largely intact. I, I, I'd be shocked. I, I just don't see how it really works outside of I guess I shouldn't say I'd be shocked just because I don't know what the offseason will look like, what an offseason looks like, what uh, what financial situations for every team will be. 
can't predict that, but it, well, if you think uh, the Cubs were crying broke already, yeah, right. Uh, so I, I don't know what it's going to look like, but I would think that Theo Theo was very restless last offseason and couldn't get a deal done for any of those core players, primarily Chris Bryant. He's going to be in a similar boat. He knows how far this team falls off a cliff after 2021 if they don't extend guys or move them. There's just not enough talent in the system. Uh, Theo does not want to leave the cupboard dry. He's likely moving on after 2021, and he doesn't want to leave the team in a really bad situation. If if you know if you see Rizzo walking, John Lester retiring, Chris Bryant walking. Buy is still not extended. Uh, I mean, these are all things that, uh, I mean, that's a really ugly situation. And and there's no way they can they can head into 2021 looking like their entire team is, is headed for free agency. Uh, so I, I'd be curious uh, how they pull it off. But I, I don't think there's a way that, that you go into 2021 and have it all uh, stay the same. Now, you said that Theo is probably moving on after 2021. What's what's he going to be doing? Uh, well, Patrick and I just wrote a piece. Uh, you know, uh, obviously we don't believe all those Plug. things will happen, but there's a we we kind of look at opening day 2022 and we joke about how Theo's uh, Theo is looking into buying the Mets. And I uh, I <laughs> is wouldn't he joining a Rod and J Lo. Is he getting in on their group? Well, our point was he that that fell that fell apart, and uh, and a group led by Jerry Seinfeld uh, is is looking to buy the Mets, and Theo's the baseball uh, guy uh, in that. And I and I do believe he'd love to have that that power. He wants to be an owner. I think I think he wants to. I think he does want to stay in baseball, and I think he wants complete control. I think uh, while he won't come out and say it, there's frustration with how money is being used. Mm-hmm. Uh, with the Cubs, and and he has no interest in getting into a public uh, spat with ownership again. That was ugly in Boston, and and it was uncomfortable, and nobody uh, really liked that. So I, he's he's not about to like come out and say anything about it. But uh, I mean, how can you not be frustrated when you know you're in the middle of a contending window and you can't aggressively add to the team? You have to be really cost conscious. That's that's really frustrating to baseball people, right? They understand the business side of it, but not being able to do what you need to do to win uh, because of money is going to frustrate a guy like Theo Epstein, who's so competitive. Two questions. Um, one, if in that 2022, well, first of all, why did Theo not just sign everybody to massive pre-arb extensions before they <laughs> yeah. debuted in the majors? That seems that's like good the, general the managers way do gone. And uh, to, in this 2022 scenario, does Donnie Murphy come back to the Cubs? <laughs> Donnie Murphy. Oh, geez. <laughs> the, the 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 brief uh, the brief time that Donnie Murphy was shining with the Cubs. Was that 2012? 2013. Uh, 849 yeah. OPS, baby. <laughs> wow. I do not I do not remember the 849 OPS. What was that in 30 plate appearances? It was in 163. <laughs> hit 11 bombs. <laughs> what? This actually happened? I, I must have erased those years out of my memory. 
Oh man, those early Theo years were rough. Uh, we should get Kaplan on. I'm sure he'd remember Donnie Murphy. <laughs> he's, I remember, I, he's a I, phenomenal I, source still to this day. <laughs> I definitely remember Donnie Murphy. I do not remember him being uh, that good. Uh, then again, uh, I mean, I, I remember Joe Mather much more clearly than Donnie Murphy. I don't think Joe Mather had an 800, 800 OPS though. So, uh, these are the these are the memories I have from the early Theo years. I I mean, Theo didn't. It's not like they didn't try to sign these guys to pre-arb deals. I, a lot of them. I mean, you're talking about majority of them were Boris clients, and then Javi was. A kind of risky to sign as a pre-arb guy. It would look genius now, obviously, but he he wasn't he hadn't clicked yet, and he looked really raw and like it could go in a really bad direction. And it kind of cl- it didn't click until 2018 for him. And uh, and once that happened, he has all the confidence in the world that it it, it took a while before. I mean, it 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 will take a while before he. Uh, will sign an extension and and I think he still will I I think that's their best bet Javi but he's also a guy that you wouldn't be shocked if he bet on himself Uh, the rest of these guys are are not taking any sort of discounts like Rizzo already took his discount Uh, Brian has Boris as an agent and it was uh, you know he may not uh, it's just the greatest situation there to you can imagine yeah, I mean, there's just there's just no chance that he's extending. Uh, you know, maybe the COVID nineteen changes everybody's perspective on things. Uh, I just it just was never a chance. Once he once his once his uh, service time was gamed in 2015, I think that kind of shut the door on any chance of an extension. Uh, but uh, he's he plays the game. He understands uh, the business side of it now. I think that he's not angry with the Cubs. Uh, it just became more of a business than uh, going with your emotions and, and sticking with the team that he grew up with. Uh, he's just not going to look at it that way anymore. The emotions are taken out, and he's going to look at it as a business uh, deal, and hitting free agency makes all the sense in the world for a player like that. Well, should have signed him to a 10-year deal when he was in double-A. Uh, yeah. Taking a page out of Rick's book. <laughs> that's how, I mean, that's how Rizzo's still around. Rizzo's yeah. deal was, I mean, you look at that and the timing of it all, that is a terrible deal for Rizzo. I, I want to say uh, months later, Freddie Freeman signed a deal that just completely destroyed the value. Like Rizzo's was like $48 million in total and Freddie Freeman's... I believe uh, went over a hundred million with his ex- extension. Not saying Rizzo and Freeman are equal, but it, that's I mean forty eight million for the amount of years that Rizzo signed. It, it was nothing. It was a it was just such a steal for the Cubs. So they they hit one and and they've gotten Hendricks to sign and David Bodie. Don't forget David Bodie. Okay, they didn't, they didn't even get any extra years of control from that Shane. <laughs> <laughs> it's, he really wanted to sign the deal, though. David Bodie really wanted that uh, financial security, so he's all good now. I will say about Anthony Rizzo's deal, Jerry Reinsdorf did warn him not to sign it. <laughs> <laughs> but once, once you sign it, hey, you signed it. I mean, there's nothing you can do to get out of it now. Who is this? How do you have my number? <laughs> Oh, man. Okay, so 
I mean, what what would you put the odds of Chris Bryant re-signing with the Cubs once he hits free agency? Like between one and five percent or higher? I I wouldn't rule it out. Uh, so that's five. Yeah, I, I'd I'd put it at yeah, I'd say five percent. I you know I think uh, I think the Cubs will end up spending money again, like significant money in the very near future and either this offseason or next offseason. Again, I'm, I'm assuming that everyone isn't going to just cry poor and uh, and money just doesn't get spent in offseasons anymore. Uh, but uh, yeah, I, I, I guess, I, you know, that money is going elsewhere would be my guess. They're going to spend money again. I don't think they'll they'll end up spending it on Bryant, and I think they'll end up tra- trading him at, before he becomes a free agent. Yeah, I feel like he's going to end up with either one of the L.A. teams or San Diego. In free agency, you're saying? Mm-hmm. Or Yeah, yeah, I could see that. I could see him out in the West Coast. Uh, uh, he loves Chicago. There's, there's no doubt that he's happy here, personally. Uh, I mean, but the fact is, he still, I, I believe his wife is, and him they have a home in vegas i I believe they're still they they have their own home obviously he's got a newborn at home uh so they they still call vegas home so living out west would make a ton of sense uh raising a family out west i mean he's he's comfortable out there he knows san diego obviously Mm -hmm. um yeah, I, I I could see that happening, and so he's you, not afraid of the spotlight either, so he could handle L.A. So you're saying Bryant to the A's, so you can play for the Las Vegas Aviators. <laughs> <laughs> I could see that too. Yeah, <laughs> if, yeah if, maybe if uh, if Las Vegas does get a team, I, I wouldn't be shocked if he if he wanted to. No, play I, there. I'm saying he just plays Triple A at, at Las Vegas for the last ten oh. years of his career, <laughs> like, like some European star going to the MLS and just raking. <laughs> <laughs> Why don't more baseball players do that? I can't figure it out. Uh, let's transition a little bit here to what we really came to talk about today. The latest mock draft from Sam Vecini at The Athletic <laughs> has neither Ayo Desunmu or Kofi Coburn in it. If you look at ESPN's rankings, Cockburn. Jonathan Giveny or Giveny has Ayo at number 80 overall and Kofi not ranked. Yeah, Kofi's coming back, right? Kofi is definitely coming back. Ayo, I'm like not as it, sure, but I don't know about Ayo. But I do think that I, I don't think it's as sure of a lock. But the one thing that <laughs> we're getting in the weeds here for people who listen who aren't Illini <laughs> fans, but because it's like a couple days after Ayo announces, all of a sudden Adam Miller signs his national letter of intent. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which was the reason he hadn't signed it to begin with was because he wanted to make sure that that slot was open. But what happens now if now that he signed his NLI and then Io decides ah, I'm going to come back for another year? I I don't. I mean, besides you and me celebrating, <laughs> yeah, I I still don't think Io's coming back. Uh, but I I'd be perfectly happy with that <laughs> if he came back and they had the most electric backcourt in the NCAA. And a, a big man. Oh, man. Yeah, I'd be very pleased. I I expect them to get another player for this class, though, and, and Io to stay in the draft and Kofi to come back. And um, I, I, have, I have big, big expectations for Illinois basketball if they ever start playing games again. Uh, so, I mean, I, I, always, I mean, geez, I was optimistic during the John Gross years. So I guess uh, you're talking to the wrong person if you want like a level-headed analysis of Illinois basketball. It's all sunshine and roses. On a scale of one <laughs> to ten, your conspiracy meter. 
where does the coronavirus fall as only showing up to keep the Illini from getting to play in the NCAA tournament. <laughs> where, where does it fall? <laughs> like this is literally the coronavirus was created by the government to keep <laughs> to, Illinois to, to out of the NCAA tournament. It was not tournament. created by the government. It was created by <laughs> Iowa. By Iowa to keep Illinois out of the. <laughs> That's a. I I could see that. Luca yeah, Garza in a lab. <laughs> Luca Garza. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, geez. So do we still have to say that they haven't made the tournament? Yes. Then? So this that's such nonsense. It's bullshit. I know it's but it's true. I mean, that's why there was after they canceled the rest of it. There was like that talk of allowing, you know, just putting out a bracket so that way teams could say, <laughs> you know, they could hang a banner. Or say Mostly Illinois. Yeah. Most. I think that's no, it was like Dayton, like schools like that. They wanted to be able to say, you know, we would have been tournament team or whatever, but. You yeah, know. but Dayton's made a tournament multiple but they times. Would, how they many would have times been a one, seed? Been a one seed? Sure. So it's just yeah, it's stuff. Or for like the smaller schools from the mid majors that you know get the automatic bids by winning their conference tournaments. Now they can't say they were. And I just think that, I mean, it doesn't matter. But in a way, it's like, oh man, we finally would have been back in the tournament, and now we got to be like, oh, it's the seventh straight season we haven't played yeah. in the tournament. Yeah, Northwestern so. can still lord that over us. Damn it. Speaking of Northwestern, <laughs> did you see that Chris Collins' name is being connected to the Wake Forest job? Oh, geez. For what reason? How great How great <laughs> is your basketball program when your coach is thinking of leaving for Wake Forest? <laughs> when was the last time Wake was – did Illinois end Wake Forest's relevancy when they destroyed Chris Paul in 2005? Is that what happened? Yeah, and then they further ground them into <laughs> dust when they got Ao, who was also considering yeah. Wake Forest. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> So, yeah, suck on that. We're a Wake Forest haters podcast. <laughs> Jeez, terrible. Uh, James, do you have any questions left for our friend? Um, I mean, I'm not allowed to speak ill of Wake Forest because I'm just too closely tied to the Winston-Salem community. But um... <laughs> Oh, yeah, that's right. Oh, shit. Uh, we love Wake Forest here on White Sox Business. Go Dash. Uh, did did the Cubs also think Cole Komet was a, a fifth round talent? Since that's a, that's a transition to another or another piece. <laughs> I I need to I need to check that piece out and then start texting uh, with with some Cubs uh, front office members to see to see what they had on Cole Komet. I I don't I don't have their analysis on him, but that'd be it. hey fifth round talent. Let's see, maybe they could put him in the pitch lab too. What's funny is that our proud Notre Dame alum here, when the only knew of Cole Komet as a guy the White Sox were scouting, when he found out the Bears drafted him, he was like, "Wait, is that the guy the White Sox were going to draft?" (laughs) It's like that guy plays football too. Notre Dame has a football team. I tried to ignore it as best as I could, but it was unavoidable (laughs) to acknowledge it in the piece. (laughs) Well, Sahad, thank you for joining us today, and uh, we we appreciate it. Yeah, we'll, we'll have I you back enjoyed on. the Illini basketball talk. Yeah, we'll we'll have you back on to hang up on you during Cubs Hate Week if we ever yes. get another Cubs Hate Week again, or just <laughs> you know to talk Illini basketball at some point in the future. Either sounds delightful. Awesome, thank you, Sada. <laughs> thank you. Yep. Thank you. Me, yeah. Have a good, good one. Times. Hopefully, you know you'll get to harass James in person again soon. Someday soon, yeah. I'll get to yell at him in person. That'll be fun. Even after I, I wrote that line it. about your guns in the, in the <laughs> article? Yeah. This is, uh, now I will threaten you with them. <laughs> <laughs> right. Later, man. Take care. Later, guys. 
Thanks again to Sahada for joining us and talking to us for like a half hour, James. We're great at getting guests on for a half hour talking about nothing. And if you want to listen to Sahada talk for a half hour about something, most in particular the Cubs, you can listen to the Athletics Cubs podcast on to Waveland, which Cam pronounced as Waveland before the show, which just shows you how the familiar land he of is waves. with the names of streets and the English language. silence anyway so let's move on as we mentioned at the end of that interview with Sahadev, james you you recently wrote a piece about the uh the bears top draft pick second round pick number 43 overall notre dame tight end cole Komet. but football wasn't the only thing cole Komet played at notre dame and he had caught the interest of the white Sox as a pitcher no no. <laughs> he caught their interest as a hitter. He wound up pitching at Notre Dame, ironically. He pitched and hit at uh, in high school. He was a center fielder. He pitched left-handed. He hit right-handed. Um, they saw him do both, but uh, the, the Midwest area scout who was covering him, J.J. Lally, turned him in as a hitter. They He said basically he was kind of strangely hidden because he committed, if you, I don't know if, how deep into college football recruiting you were at the time, but he committed to um, Notre Dame in like an October of 2015, and he's not graduating until uh, 2017. So everyone kind of written him off as a football guy, and he wasn't really widely covered, and he didn't go to any showcases for baseball because he was busy with football and whatnot. So they just see him in April before the draft, and he's kind of like, holy shit, there's, he's, this is a guy who's a huge uh, plus runner in the middle of like playing center field, uh, six foot five with like a ton of raw power and a big throwing arm. Uh, this is this is a, a very high ceiling prospect. Obviously, he's very raw because he hasn't played as much baseball as everyone else. But they're like, there's a lot of like physical potential there. This is a freak athlete. I mean, it's a it's a freaking like uh, second round level NFL tight end playing baseball. Um, so they invite him to their uh, pre draft workout, and he comes and he puts on a show in batting practice. And they're thinking they're like this is a guy who could go in the middle rounds. Uh, Lally had him as a fifth round guy. The White Sox probably valued him more as a sixth or seventh round guy. Um, but he has the scholarships in Notre Dame. He has a promise from Brian Kelly in Notre Dame that he can play baseball if he wants during the, during his off time. Um, you know, if you know if Notre Dame football players have an off time, so it really it's going to well, take more than a, a you know fifth round money. Sorry, they said they they make him go to church once. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's going to take more than fifth round money to to kind of talk him out of his scholarship. But they they sense that really if he had gone like in the first two rounds and he had that kind of like guarantee or an overslot offer, he would have really put some thought into to kind of leaving football behind and going to professional baseball. That he really liked professional baseball that much. Um, so they made him the offer of, hey, why don't you play um, football and, you know, we'll draft you in like the middle round somewhere and you can play minor league baseball during the summer, kind of like Russell Wilson or Shaq Thompson. Um which you know was an option and something he could have fit time wise, but they his his family wasn't really that into it. You know they, they would kind of point into the fact that neither Russell Wilson and Jack Thompson Jack Thompson's uh, baseball career was famously awful. Uh, neither of those baseball careers really went very far. There wouldn't really be much point to it. It'd be kind of something he could say that he did, but the the odds of him already being kind of a raw high school hitter and being able to develop kind of in a, into a major league caliber talent kind of in the part-time was really slim. I mean, the White Sox, obviously, in doing that, are kind of hoping that he plays uh, pro ball in the summer. He kind of thinks, like, oh, this is really what I want to do and ditches football at some point. You know, you're not really hoping he just kind of is in limbo for three years. Uh, you want him to kind of pick 
you're hoping that he picks your sport. And he kind of wound up sticking to football as a result of not playing any fall ball at Notre Dame because he's you know playing uh, football the whole time. He doesn't really develop as a hitter. They think it's better use of his time to just kind of uh, get his arm right and get him warmed up. And he works as a, a lefty like reliever uh, at Notre Dame. And you know he's he's pretty good. He, he doesn't like he doesn't he never like worked up his velo up to below above like the low nineties, but. He, he gets outs. He was really good as a sophomore reliever. Then he got shut down for elbow soreness. But they used him as a closer. They used him as like a, a fireman. And he was pretty effective. And he had a kind of a nice little swing and miss slider. Um, they, his, I was t- talking to his pitching coach uh, yesterday. And they said, you know, if, if he kind of kept working on it, if he certainly if he stayed at school, they would have moved him in the rotation his junior year. And he, he thinks he could have been a guy who got picked in the top 10 rounds as a pitcher. And obviously would have a lot more ceiling if he worked at it because he was just this six foot five lefty with a lot of athleticism and probably could have kept working up his, uh, his velocity. But um, it's hard to say he didn't make the right choice because he's a second round tight end and got a fair amount of guaranteed money. He'll probably have a, a long and fruitful career and, you know, hopefully not too many uh, head injuries, but um, yeah, it, it seems like he's has the type of athleticism where if he really just kind of picked baseball, they really thought that he had a path for that. And the white Sox were interested. Well, here's what I'm listening to. All right. The Bears used their first pick on a guy who cares about baseball more. <laughs> I, I was wondering, like, there's a the, the scout is trying to convince me that the baseball interest is genuine and saying that he really would have quit football and baseball if, like, you know, the if the guarantee was right, if the team was basically making this commitment to him, um, both financially and, you know, if you're a second-round pick, obviously you get more chances to fail in the minors uh, than if you're a seventh-round, eighth-rounder. But I, I was wondering if there's going to be a meatball uh, reaction to that from the Bears fan base. of like, this guy doesn't even love football. Oh, hell yeah. I'm starting it right now. <laughs> Get it out. I don't really believe it, but I'm saying it. Yeah, I mean. This guy doesn't care. Yeah. I, I, He's not a care bear. Even if he didn't, I mean, I think the millions of dollars are there. will probably keep his focus on, on, on football pretty pretty well. Um, going Now, forward. his family, they are Cubs fans, correct? Right. Oh, well, we're better off without him. But he showed up to the Sox like pre-draft workout. There's pictures no. of him in Sox uh, gear. Uh, mm-hmm. No, nope. In the mm-hmm. story, I mean, let's. There, there were two possible outcomes here. Either he ends up with the Bears as somebody who doesn't like playing football, or he ends up as a White Sox as a Cub fan. So, I mean, this guy's been bad news from the start, James. Did did I, don't, did, I think Charlie Tilson did grow up? Do you think Sox you're going to take me he? seriously right now? I'm trying to think of other local Sox players who may not have been Sox fans growing up, but I think Tilson was a Sox fan. Tilson, I think, was a Sox fan. Samarja, who was a pitcher and a football player at Notre Dame, was a Sox fan. Which was an issue when he was with the Cubs. Which was an issue when he was with the Cubs. Uh, who else? I mean, how many local kids have played for the team lately? Rob McCoyak, if we want to go back to 2005. I mean, Berger is a Blackhawks fan who lives in St. Louis, which gives him his own set of local issues. Yeah, I mean, that's, I, I feel like that's probably just either A, trolling, or B, he was like 13 when the Blackhawks became great, and as often happens with kids he's, that age. He's also a Packers fan, teams. so I just assume he just wants to be a man apart at all times. Oh, yeah, then he's just a contrarian, <laughs> which is fine. Nothing wrong with that. I mean, he, you know what? He probably likes hot dogs better than burgers. Birdie is the other local guy, but he's a he was a Sox fan, too. Yeah, I'm trying to think. I'm 
I can't think of anyone else off the top of my head, but if they are, if they were Cubs fans, I think that should be, you know, the first thing that you ask a prospect from the Chicago area if you're the White Sox is which team do you care about? Because if they say Cubs, then they're not going to care about you. They're not going to give you the. I remember when the Sox traded for like Jason Frazier from the Blue Jays. I think he was a Cubs fan growing up. And how'd that work uh, out? You know, he didn't have a long tenure. Boom. Proofing the pudding, baby. <laughs> uh, time for shout outs. Speaking of the Blackhawks. I'm going to give my shout out to John McDonough, who was fired as team president this week. Came as a very much a surprise. I know it surprised me. It seemed to surprise everybody, you know, that actually follows the Blackhawks closely or even covers them. Uh, I want to give him a shout out because I think that to an extent, his impact on the team is somewhat overstated, but I don't think it's understated either. Makes no sense, sense, Tom. It's gibberish. I think that he did a lot of good things for the Blackhawks and he was an integral part in that franchise turning around. But I also think that most guys in his role coming into the Blackhawks in the state that they were in would have realized, holy shit, some things need to change. Like, I don't know how much credit is John McDonough's and how much is that, you know, Rocky Words took over from his father. Should our games so, be on TV? Would that be something we should explore? That Exactly. So it's like, I don't know if I'd consider him like a pioneer for realizing some of the things he did. But the fact of the matter is, he did notice him, and he did take care of him, and he did a good job of getting people in there. Although I will say, I know for a fact, there might be one or two players from those teams who were not a fan of Mr. McDonough, though they respected him. James, who's your shout-out for? Um, I know a lot of White Sox business, business listeners. Business? <laughs> business. <laughs> we're, we're obviously very concerned uh, with the state of Notre Dame women's basketball after Muffet uh, McGraw retired. But... Um, Thankfully, it's looking like Niall Ivy has got the recruiting class on the right trail because they landed uh, number two overall prospect Olivia Miles the other day, and it just shows goes, goes the show, shows the go. That uh, I'm, I'm just so excited, Tom. Uh, Notre Dame women's basketball is going to be back, going to get back to the mountaintop. You know, have faith; yeah, it will be rewarded. Uh, so, sh- so shout out to Olivia Miles. Uh, I, I dig the rec specs. Um, this will become a Notre Dame women's basketball podcast. Uh, pretty soon with the with the I, cancellation of baseball forever. So just hold on tight. I don't know how self-aware you are, but you're you're kind of a Jake Berger yourself <laughs> in that you went to Notre Dame and you care more about the, both the men's and women's basketball teams than you do the football team. Though I do think that there's part of – I think that to really care about Notre Dame football, you have to not go to Notre or Dame. Or cover them. <laughs> or cover them, I guess. So, yeah. Uh, thank you to the Bizners for listening to our latest episode of White Sox. Business mount up. J- <laughs> Thank you to James for coming up with that because I think that's going to stick. The Bizners. Hashtag Bizners. Tweet it, How guys. Uh, yeah, also thanks again to Sahada for joining us. And uh, thank you to Cam for recording us and then editing us and then having to really edit because, Cam, I'm just realizing now we never actually recorded the I was weirded out. So we're going to have to go that. do that now. <laughs> yeah, I was going to ask. We need to go back and yeah, record so, that. So when you hear it at the front of the show, just know that we spent an extra five minutes going back and recording that for you business we, at home. We, that things we do for the business, we're pretending just to start talking to each other at that point. Like, hey, I don't know what's coming up. What's happening? Let's find out. So, yeah. Thanks for listening. Now go back to the intro and listen again to see if you can tell. Please be patient, business. You won't because I'm an excellent producer. Oh,